0: You're listening to another episode of the Zag Eric Sobe here. Happy Friday to you! Excited to be joined by a current fellow in NLC Des Moines, Kylie Gottschalk is here. We'll catch up on her institute experience so far. She's got some things to tell us about their great event that's coming up. So, without further ado, let's get to it. All right, Kylie, what's been the biggest surprise about being a current NLC fellow?
1: Um, I was surprised with the broad variety of experience that the current class of fellows has. I expected it to be a bunch of like politicos, people that currently work directly in politics, on campaigns, uh, but I was pleasantly surprised that it's people that work in nonprofit, um, in the corporate world. So that was a surprise and I was very happy about that.
0: How'd you hear about the program in the first place?
1: I have some friends that uh, we're fellows a few years ago, and they've been asking me <laughs> for a few years now to become a fellow, and um, I, finally, I finally did it, and I'm really happy that I decided to join.
0: Yeah, so I think most people's conception of Iowa probably does revolve around politics, so it's interesting to hear that there's yeah. not you know, 20 politicos running around with their, each of their candidates represented. Like, what do people usually misunderstand about Iowa, given that we really only see coverage of it every four years?
1: Yeah, um, I think, yeah, the misconception is, you know, that Iowa is like all farmland and very rural, which is true. We have a lot, you know, a lot of rural communities, um, but we we have more diversity than people think, especially in Des Moines. Um, and so we have, you know, people um, from all over uh, the country and the world that have chosen to live in Iowa. And, you know, it's because it's friendly and they feel safe and it's affordable. Um, and so that's, you know, one misconception I would say and that, yeah, not everyone is political, uh, but it is definitely part of the life here every every four years.
0: And have you been there your entire life or how'd you end up there?
1: Yeah. So I grew up in the eastern side of the state in Eldridge, uh, which is close to Davenport on the border of Iowa and Illinois. And then I went to college in Cedar Falls here in Iowa and have lived in Des Moines for almost two years now.
0: And you mentioned before we started recording that... The chapter definitely features a lot of folks from Des Moines, but is, is drawing folks from all across the state. What kind of differences in, in people's top issues do you find when you bring in folks that are not from the city proper?
1: Yeah, I know there have been people in the past that have come from Cedar Rapids or Iowa City, which is in the eastern part of the state. And I think it's just making sure people realize that Iowa is much more than just Des Moines. A lot of people get very focused on Des Moines because it is the biggest city. It's the capital city Um, and having, you know, making sure people understand that there may be different things affecting other parts of the state. And I think it's really good that we have people from other cities that join NLC Des Moines to remind us of that, to keep us aware and intentional about uh, those things.
0: Yeah. So give us a scoop on your event that's coming up.
1: Yeah, we have a uh, fundraising event or a celebration of our, Donors coming up on uh, May 30th in the evening, and we have that every year to celebrate our donors, thank them for donating uh, to the to our fundraiser, which uh, uh, helps the next class. So all of the funds we raise uh, go towards go towards the next class of fellows. And so this year uh, we're really making um, I'm sure we're more intentional uh, about reaching out to local artists and you know caterers to make it a really local feel and to have some entertainment so that it's not just another networking event. So we're going to have a guitar player, some high school students who are spoken word poets. We're going to, you know, have a caterer that has uh, Colombian cuisine. Hmm. And so we're really excited to make this kind of put a new twist on it than it has been in the past.
0: And then as you're explaining NLC and trying to get folks to come to the event, what messages do you find like, resonate the most with people or do you find it's actually kind of hard to explain, which I know happens for me sometimes.
1: (laughs) Yeah, it is hard to explain, but I think, you know, our class, our current, my current fellow class, uh, our group dynamic and our relationship, uh, that we have uh, with each other is so accepting and supportive. And that's what I've been focusing on telling people is that it's not just, you know, you know, we learn so much and it's great. We learn so much from local, um, you know, politicians and business owners and nonprofit uh, administrators, but it's like the the relationships I've built and the people I've met are my favorite part of being an NLC. And so, you know, explaining that to people and saying, you know, it's a great group of people to connect with and network with, and also, you know, just build friendships with.
0: Yeah. A lot of folks who do the fellowship out here, we seem to catch them at some point of transition, whether personally or professionally. Uh, Is is that, True for you. What's your actual job outside of NLC stuff?
1: Yeah, I actually work at the ACLU. So I work at the ACLU of Iowa as a community engagement associate. So I have been there for a little bit over a year now, uh, but I have worked in uh, political campaigns and nonprofit work uh, since I graduated from college in 2014. And my role now at the ACLU focuses on organizing, outreach advocacy, public education, uh, making sure that the ACLU of Iowa is seen uh, more in the, in the public eye and people, you know, learn more about what we do. And so that's my role outside, that in my work outside of NLC. And I enjoy it a lot, but of course, I'm always looking for ways in how I can learn and grow and move up, move up the ladder um, and, you know, someday become, you know, more in a management or director role. And so that's kind of where I'm at now.
0: Yeah. Do most of the cases that make it to the ACLU, are they cases that your org seeks out or folks bring them to you? What's the split on how that works?
1: Yeah. So people submit their legal cases to us. And so, um, you know, we hear from people what's happening to them personally or in their community. Um, And then our legal team, our executive director, um, and even sometimes our policy person, they decide what uh, we will, we will take on.
0: Interesting. Nice. Well, listen, when we come back, we'll talk a little bit more about NLC Des Moines and also a little bit more about Iowa life in general. Thanks for listening to this episode of The Zach. We'll be right back. Yeah, with Iowa in the news all the the time, maybe you can answer some of these questions that I feel like folks like me and and the liberal coastal elite Los Angeles always kind of wonder, like, how, how did Iowa end up Having such a prominent place in starting the presidential cycle?
1: It's a good question, um, which I will try to answer to the best of my abilities. I believe it's because of the caucus, being first in the nation uh, for the caucus, I mean, that's something Iowa really wants to keep going. Because, um, you know, it is really important, I think, to um, highlight, you know, that, you know, it is the country, you know, people deciding who the next president will be. It's more than like you said, the coastal elite, you know, these liberal bubbles. Um, Iowa's a very purple state. I mean, Obama, uh, won Iowa, uh, both year, both, uh, mm-hmm. in 2008 and 2012. And then, you know, of course, um, Trump won it this in 2016. And so it goes back and forth, but, you know, it is, it is something that I think people, uh, do underestimate and how much, like, we need to hear from people that don't live in, you know, these, these coastal areas, these big cities, um, liberal cities. And so I think, yeah, with the caucus, that definitely puts us more in the forefront.
0: So is it a media construction that there really is hyper-engagement with kind of the average citizen and, and you, you would walk into a, a, a diner or a restaurant and you'd hear people talking about politics? Like Is that is that accurate? accurate? Is that something the media is, is making up? Or do you feel like, especially as you get closer to the actual caucuses happening, does that take place?
1: You know, I, I don't know, it's hard because I feel I myself feel like I'm kind of in this bubble of people <laughs> that are hyper engaged. Right. And so but I think the average person, you could do hear them talking about politics. And I think here, because it is, you know, such a split, there are people that, you know, they're, they may be friends with someone who has completely opposite I, uh, ideals as them. And so you could hear people talking about politics. But I think generally uh, people are willing to like listen and understand uh, another viewpoint. I mean, of course, there are, you know, people that aren't that way. But I think generally, because we are always kind of in the in the spotlight, uh, come you know, presidential election cycle, um, people are talking about it more, because there's events happening all over. And there's candidates mm. everywhere now, especially with how many Democratic candidates <laughs> there are. So um, yeah, I mean, I don't think it's maybe the media does play it up a little. Uh, more, but I think definitely people are paying attention and involved.
0: And then within your fellows class, do you have a sense if folks are gravitating towards one candidate or two candidates more than another, or is it pretty much a, too early to say, or is such a big feel that folks are, are waiting to make that decision?
1: Yeah. I mean, I know I'm waiting to make that decision until later. And honestly, we haven't talked about it much, which is interesting. I know there's some people that really support Bernie Um, but for the most part, we haven't really talked about it that much because I think with so unsure what's going to happen, you know, if if these candidates will still be around come February. Um, and so, yeah, I know I'm waiting. I know other people are waiting and right now just going to all the events that we can. And, you know, a lot of times after our Institute weekends, people will be like, okay, Cory Booker's here, Beto's here, Warren's (laughs) in town, like which one we go into this, uh, tonight. And so. Um, That's another aspect that makes it really cool that we're learning about all these, you know, these skills and everything. And then we go out and see politics in action right, right after.
0: And then the NLC convention is in Des Moines this summer for folks that haven't been to Iowa. I suspect there'll be a lot of them, including myself. What would you recommend them doing outside of the hotel for the two or three days that they're there?
1: Yeah, I think it's great that, you know, it's it's in Iowa during this time, you know, when there's a bunch of candidates around and, Uh, with the caucus in 2020 election and it's in the summer i was much better in the summer (laughs) than in the winter so you know i think there's so many great uh events that happen on the weekends downtown beyond you know the convention there's always like there's a farmer's market on saturday which is amazing it's like one of the biggest farmers markets um in the country i believe and it's huge it's like blocks and blocks long that's really fun there's great bars and restaurants around the East Village is definitely one of my favorite parts of town with some really um, chill and, you know, local bars and restaurants that um, that are really great and kind of outside of the touristy areas, I guess you could say, of Des Moines. Um, but yeah, I would definitely say, you know, enjoying our parks and, and the uh, bars and restaurants nearby in downtown are a must.
0: Nice. Well, we're looking forward to it. Uh, last thing, give one last plug on the event in terms of date and time and how folks can get tickets and support y'all.
1: Yeah. So it's on May, Thursday, May 30th. Uh, it'll start at 5.30 p.m. with kind of a networking, social hour. And then at 6, we'll have our program, here from some uh, local uh, leaders and progressive leaders and some folk more poets, and we'll have music, and kind of a happy hour feel with appetizers and drinks and tickets are $25 and you can uh, purchase them online. If you just look up NLC Des Moines, you can uh, buy your ticket right online and show up. And we really hope uh, people will join us, donate to us. I think this is such such a, a good thing to have in Iowa and we would love to expand it to other cities in Iowa. And so the more more we can raise, the more people that attend our event, uh, we can we can make sure NLC is available to even more people across the state.
0: Love it. Sounds good. Well, listen, thanks for coming on. Thanks, everyone, for listening to this episode of The Zag. You can catch all the past episodes, and there's a lot, over 125. Get those in all the places where you get podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. They're all there. Hear about other progressive happenings across the country and, of course, in Los Angeles. Until next time, we'll catch you soon.